All right, today, are you ready? Maybe, a little bit. All right, let me ask that again. Are you ready for what God has for us today? I am excited. Uh, we, we kicked our vision off last week. We, we kicked our vision. The theme for this year is it's time. It's time. It, it is time to go beyond the four walls of the church. It's time to reach our community. It's time to reach our, our, the globe. We saw as, as Joshua got the word from God in Joshua chapter 1, the Israelites were wandering around for 40 years in the wilderness, just wondering, when do we get to finally go into the promised land? And, and, and God spoke to Joshua and he said, get ready. It's time to take the land. It's time to go into the promised land. And I believe that God is speaking the same thing to us today. Get ready. It's time. It's time to go into our promised land. It's time to go back and take those lands that Satan has taken over, the people that, that, that are, are out there that don't know Jesus. It is time for us to go and reach them. So I'm excited for what God is going to use us uh, in this year and in the years to come uh, as we, again, celebrate 90 years uh, of AFA. We're believing God for an incredible next, at least 10, you know, but for sure the next 90, you know, that God is going to continue to use us uh, in the years ahead. And so we unleashed kind of the, the vision statement, six different things that we're believing God for, uh, goals that we are trying to hit, and we're going to take the next six weeks to go through and just kind of one by one break down uh, some of those and, and go into depth of what that could look like. And the goal is to make it practical, right? Not to just put some lofty vision out in the air, but how can we practically take steps to achieve that vision. So we're going to look at some really practical ways uh, today. So these are the six that we, we talked about. Uh, first off, the, the first thing we want to do is we want to make the presence of God paramount. If we want to reach our city, if we want to reach our community, we got to have the presence of God. And that's, that's where victory comes from. That's, uh, that is important. That's what separates us from, from any other business or organization in our community is, is we got the presence of God. So we're going to look at that more in depth today. The second thing was we want to reflect our city. We want to be multicultural and multigenerational. It takes every generation to reach the next generation. Uh, we, we've got a multicultural, we've got many cultures coming into our city. Well, we should reflect that. We should be able to reach everybody. We, we want uh, this to be a place where every, every age, every culture is accepted and welcome and, and feels like home. The third thing, uh, we want to be known by our mission, right? We don't want to just be known as the church across from Wiley Lake. We want to be known, that's the church that loves God. That's the church that loves people. That's the church that shares Christ, right? That's still our mission statement, and it always will be. We will want to be known. You know, that's, that's the church that helped me out when I was going through a hard time. Oh, man, those, those people, they genuinely live out their faith. They don't just say it. They just don't attend church on Sunday. Uh, they live for Jesus every day, right? That's what we want to be known by. Uh, the fourth and fifth one kind of go hand in hand. We're, we're talking about we want to reach 4% of our community. Right now, we're reaching about 1%. But I'm believing God. Uh, we, we know that God's not a, a God of subtraction and division. He's a God of multiplication and addition. And, and we believe that God wants to multiply uh, not just the church, but His church, His kingdom. And there's a lot of people. There's a lot of percentage out there who don't know Jesus. And, and so we want to multiply. And how do we do that? Uh, by each one reaching one. If each one of us would reach one person in one year, why next year we'll be reaching 2% of Aberdeen. And then the next year you do the math on it. 4%. 
All right? And, and so I just believe that God could do some incredible things through us as each one reaches one. And the fifth one goes hand in hand. Uh, each one teach one. We're not just called to make convert, converts. We're called to make disciples. And disciples means we have to do more than just, you know, bring them to this altar, but we've got to do life with them. We've got to walk with them and, and answer questions and grow together, be in community together. So uh, each one reach one, each one teach one. And then the last one, number six, is six mission strips, six different regions in three years. Uh, that's a goal that, that God's put on my heart, and I believe as a church that uh, we shouldn't just pray and give. Those are amazing things, and we're going to continue to do that. But I believe God's calling us to go uh, and, and go and, and see firsthand what God is using our missionaries to do across this globe. And I believe that as we do that, our hearts are only going to break even more for those people, and, and that our hearts are going to want to pray even more and uh, give even more so we can continue to, to champion that great commission to go into all the world, into all the world. So that's the vision. That's where we're going. And this week, week number one, we are looking at that first point to make the presence of God paramount, Right? Make the presence of God paramount. So that's what we're breaking down today. And uh, if you got your Bibles, you can open them up to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, put your finger in there. We'll be there in just a moment. So making the presence of God paramount. So why? Why is this important? Why is this, why is this number one on the list? Right? Well, I believe that we will never reach the 4%. We will never reach the 4% uh, unless we have the presence of God taking priority in our lives. See, if the, the presence of God isn't in this place, if the presence of God isn't on his people, then what do we have to offer the community? Right? What do we have to offer people? How can we add to our lives? People may come to our church. Maybe, maybe they come for, you know, I don't know, free coffee. Uh, maybe they come for the community of it all. Maybe they come for our awesome kids ministry. That's fine. But I want them to stay because they experience the presence of God, right? That's, that's what's going to make the difference. You know, it's, it's not the things we have. It's we have the presence of God. See, the church has something to offer that, that no other organization has to offer, right? We have, we have God's presence in this place and in our lives, and we can offer that to people. They may not understand what it is, but they can feel it. They can sense it. Uh, we, have, uh, we know that in God's presence, there's freedom. We, we know, uh, as we, we looked at communion earlier today, that there's forgiveness of sins, that, that we are made new, that we are made whole, that, that there is healing, that walls can be torn down. And so we're believing that as people come and experience the presence of God, their lives will never be the same. See, we have something to offer that, that nobody else has to offer. So how do we do it? Right? How do we make the presence of God paramount? How do we make it a priority? How do we, I don't know if it's the right way to say it, how do we increase the presence of God? Because you might say to yourself, well, I thought, isn't God everywhere? You know, isn't his presence all around. Uh, we, we learned in Joshua last week that uh, God promised Joshua, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. You know, we see verses in there. Where can, where can you flee from God's spirit? Where can you run? Where can you? You can't. His presence is everywhere. So if God's presence is everywhere, you know, how can we increase it, so to speak? How can we do that? Well, I would say this uh, we access the presence of God through prayer. 
We access the presence of God through prayer. That is, that is our avenue into the presence of God. And it, and it makes sense uh, because prayer is simply talking with God. Prayer is simply acknowledging that God is in the room with us. Now imagine if you would go home today to your family, uh, to your spouse, to your roommate, to, to whatever, and they're in the building, they're in the house, but you ignore them. Anybody ever done that before? You just ignore the person? <laughs> you probably don't want to admit that. Uh, but what if you just ignored them? What if you never talked to them? You never looked at them? Uh, you never acknowledged their presence? That wouldn't be a very good life, wouldn't it? They probably wouldn't feel too good about themselves. Uh, pretty soon you wouldn't even notice that they were there. Now, they're still in the room, but there's really no benefit of them in the room. They're just in the way. And so I, I would venture to say, you know, the presence of God is everywhere, but it's up to us if we're going to take advantage of it or not. It's up to us if we're going to engage with God's presence. It's up to us if we're going to talk to God, if we're going to recognize Him. And I believe that as we recognize Him, as we have conversations with God, that it's going to take the presence of God to a new level. Not, not for Him. He's, he's everywhere. But for us, it's going to take the presence of God in our life to a new level. So if we want to make the presence of God paramount, then we've got to make prayer a priority. And so today we're going to make, look at practical ways that we can make uh, prayer and the presence of God a, a priority in our lives. So again, Joshua chapter 5, uh, we've been looking at the Israelites and how uh, in the last 40 years they, they've been preparing themselves, they're getting their hearts ready. Uh, maybe it wasn't a journey they wanted to go on, but it was a journey they went on nonetheless. They've been getting their hearts ready to enter the promised land. Last week, again, they got word saying, it's time, go into the promised land, we're going to do this. And so today, I want us to look at the first battle that they faced. The first battle uh, was a daunting city called Jericho. Now, Jericho was a fortress. Looking back just at, at some of the archaeological finds, uh, we know that they had a, a lower wall that was about six foot wide. I mean, so this was a, a pretty hefty wall, and the upper wall was 50 foot tall. Can you imagine that? 50-foot tall wall, and it was all around the city. The city covered uh, 12 acres, so it was about, the perimeter was about a mile and a half of this 50-foot uh, tall wall. That was a fortress. That would be hard. How do you, how do you get into that? And so today we're going to be looking at how did, they, uh, how did they approach this? How did they tackle it? So let's look. Joshua chapter 5, starting with verse 13, says this. Now when Joshua was near Jericho. Joshua, again, the, the leader of Israel at this point, says he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I'm not sure, would that be good or bad to meet the commander of the Lord's army? You know, that'd be, be interesting. It says, then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. In chapter six, it says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. 
along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests, blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray that that we would tune in, that we would listen to what the Holy Spirit wants to speak today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, do you see what Joshua did here? Do you see what Joshua did here before they ever went into the battle, uh, before they even drew up battle plans? uh, Joshua got alone with God. He met with God one-on-one. He had a conversation with God, literally. I mean, he had the commander of the the Lord's army was there, and he had a conversation with him. So that's literally the definition of prayer. He talked with God. Now, how many of you wish that you could talk to God like that? Right? You know, you just seeing that person face-to-face. Wouldn't that be nice to have a conversation with God? And so sometimes I, I, I wonder... You know, maybe we sit here and say, ah, you know, God, if, if I could just talk to you like that, then I, I would pray more often. You know, if you literally just come down and we could have a conversation. But, you know, I, I wonder, I, I think Joshua, if he were here today, you know, and, and see everything that's happened, see that Jesus died and that he rose again for us, and the access that we have to God, I think he would see us today and say, man, I wish I could pray. I wish I could talk to God the way that you guys talk to God. I mean, think of the access that we have today that Joshua didn't have. Uh, Hebrews tells us that we need to approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of our needs. Uh, Romans chapter 8 tells us that the spirit uh, of, of Jesus, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living inside us. The Holy Spirit is living inside of us. 1 Corinthians tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That literally we carry the presence of God with us everywhere we go. We have incredible access that wherever we go that God is with us. That Joshua maybe didn't necessarily have. And so I think if they they saw our unprecedented access today, they'd say, oh man, I wish we could talk to God like that. So Joshua, he gets alone with God. And he gets into the presence of God, and he, he steps into his glorious, his, his holy presence, so holy that just like Moses, he's instructed, hey, take off your sandals. The place where you're standing is holy ground, just like at the burning bush. And so that's what he does. He, he falls to his face, and he, he takes off his sandals. He gets alone with God, and two very significant things happen in this moment. And the first one is this. He receives the battle plans. He receives the battle plans. When he gets alone with God, he receives the battle plans. You know, this is something that all of us, I think, pray for often. God, give me guidance. God, give me wisdom. God, what do you want me to do? God, how am I supposed to attack this? God, where am I supposed to go? And it was in that private moment with God where God gave Joshua the directions. Here's the battle plans. Here's how we're going to attack this thing. Here's how you're going to find victory. And he gives them those battle plans. Here's what you're going to do, Joshua. You're going to go find your best trumpet players, right? Put them out front, right? Then then the priest, you're going to bring the Ark of the Covenant. You're going to bring the presence of God with you. And we'll get into that in a minute. And, And then get your army and start marching. He gets the battle. He gets the battle plans. And the second thing that Joshua received while he was 
praying was the victory. This is where the victory was won. He said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. God declared victory before anything had even happened, before they had taken one step. Uh, It was in a private moment with God where victory was won. And see, I believe these are both things that we are looking for from God. God, what direction do you have for me? What guidance? Where do you want me to be? The battle plans. And also the victory. Right? We want to see victory in our lives. God, we, will, we want to see these things. But we will never see the victory. We will never see uh, the battle plans unless we spend time with God. Unless we get alone with God. So I, I believe this. Church, that if we want to see victory, if we want to see uh, this vision carried out, if we want to reach 4% of Aberdeen, then we need to practice the presence of God privately. We need to practice the presence of God privately. It's an interesting way to say it, but practicing the presence. This was a a term that was coined first by a 17th century monk by the name of Brother Lawrence. He wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And what's interesting about Brother Lawrence is he really wasn't that great of a guy. You know, there was nothing spectacular about him. Uh, He had tried several things in his life and kind of failed at all of them. He was in the army, he got injured, and finally he decided, you know, maybe I should just go be be a monk. You know, maybe I should just go do this. And, and so uh, he got in there. He was never a leader of some great team. Uh, he never received a degree or anything like that. He was a, he was a dishwasher in this French abbey in, in this 17th century. So not a man of, of much. He, he was a dishwasher. He was a cook. Eventually, you know, his injuries prevented him from doing those things. And he became the, the, the sandal maker and the, the sandal fixer, the cobbler. And so why, why, why was he so remarkable in this sense if he wasn't a remarkable man? Well, he asked a question one day and went after that question and discovered, and, and he tried that question. He asked a dangerous question. And the question was, what if I, got, what if I brought God into every moment of my life? What if I brought God into every moment? And as he went on a journey to discover if he could do that, it said it totally changed his life. Totally changed his life. He began to write letters, just kind of journaling what it was all about, and eventually they were compiled into a book. And now, 300 years later, it's still changing people's lives as they ask that same question, what if I brought God into every moment of my life? And so he went out on this journey. He said, all right, so as I do these tasks, right, as I go about my day, when when I wake up, when I eat, when I wash the dishes, right? when I cook the meal, when I go about my day, moment by moment with Jesus, could I just bring him into the conversation? How many of you know that would be kind of difficult you know, to do right away? And I'm sure it took some practice. It took some work. But that's what he did. He just invited Jesus into every moment. It was like he, he, he started praying, but he never said amen. Right? He never hung up the phone. He just stayed with Jesus every day. You know, as, as he walked, and he tried to bring Jesus into every moment. He practiced what he called a habitual, silent, and secret conversation with the soul of God, which often causes in me joys and raptures inwardly. What would our lives look like if we practiced the presence of God every moment? 
if we recognize that in every moment that, that Jesus is with us, that, that he's our best friend, that he wants to have a conversation with us? What if we allowed Jesus not to just come in? I mean, how often do we, do we say a prayer, we say amen, and then we're done? You know, Jesus is out of our mind now. Now we can go on to the next thing. But what if we practice the presence of God every day in, in those moments? See, I believe that if we want to see public displays of power, of the presence of God, that it starts in private. It starts in private. It starts with a private time of prayer. You know, Jesus modeled this for us. He was always around the crowd, or he had the 12 disciples with him. But oftentimes it's recorded in the Gospels that he went off to get alone and pray. Because he knew he needed to spend time with the Father. He knew he needed to get alone with God. He knew that's where the battle plans were drawn up. He knew that's where the victory was won. He knew that's where his source of power came from. See, we all want the power of God, but what does our prayer life look like? What's our prayer life? We're never going to experience the power of God if if our prayer life is weak. And I'm not just talking about a prayer time, but a prayer life. A life of prayer. A prayer time is an essential part of that. But what is a life of prayer where we're cognizant of God, where we keep the conversation going? So again, let's get practical. Let's get practical today. What are some ways that we can add more prayer to our life privately? Because again, this is how we're going to make the the presence of God paramount in our lives. What are some practical ways? Uh, This is by no means a comprehensive list, but hopefully just some ideas to get you started and add prayer to your life. Uh, The first one is this, uh, your posture. Start your day off on your knees, all right? Simple challenge. But what if you started your day off, you roll out of bed, you don't even have to stand up. Just get on your knees, right? And if you get into this posture and you say, God, today's your day. God, I'm starting off the day on my knees. I'm giving it to you. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. How would that change our day? If at the very first moment we woke up, we say, God, today's yours. So change our posture. Uh, the second thing, second thing is, is a prayer walk. Prayer walk. Now, there was just a, a new book released. I was looking through it, and they had surveyed Christian leaders, some of the, the greatest Christian leaders uh, from across the globe, and they looked back at other ones that they, they could at, over time of, of great Christian leaders who are influencing so many for Jesus. And they found one habit that kept popping up over and over and over again, and that was a prayer walk. They went out and just went for a walk, usually in the morning, uh, for a mile or so, and they didn't listen to a podcast, they, they didn't walk with anybody, they walked with Jesus. They just spent time with Him. It, it wasn't to go through a long list of, of everything that they had, Lord, help me with this. Lord. No, it was just to build relationship. Just like you would go on a walk with your spouse or your best friend, they, they just went and, and talked, spent time, built on the friendship that we have with God. So it's an incredible habit, something that we can add to our lives to focus on the friendship, just go on a prayer walk. Uh, Another one, again, we talked about it already, but just having a prayer time, having a designated spot in our days, uh, put it on your calendar, have a place, have a set time and a set place that you can say, I am going to spend time, I'm going to be intentional and and spend time with God. So having a prayer time in our lives. Uh, One other one, you know, we can get so busy during our days, you know, even after our prayer time and all of that, that we can just, again, forget that we're in the presence of God, that God is with us. So another way to add 
uh, this practicing the presence of God in their lives is simply this. Set reminders. Set reminders. In the year uh, 604 AD, the Pope at that time was, get his name right here, uh, Pope Sabinian. He was only the Pope for two years, but uh, during that time he sanctioned uh, putting a church bell in the center of each town. Right? We still kind of hear church bells today, even out in our community. But he was the one who started that practice. And the church bell was there. It wasn't to signal the start of service or anything like that. It was rung daily and rung several times a day as a reminder to practice the presence of God. That's what it was there for. And when they heard those bells, it was, oh yeah, the presence of God is with me. I need to take time to just stop and pray. So today, what could be your church bells? What could signal you today to remember uh, on a daily basis throughout the day that the presence of God is with us, that we need to take time, that we need to pray? Uh, Some of those things that we could use, maybe it's certain places, right? Maybe there's certain businesses or, or places that you drive by, or maybe it's the school that you drive by that is just a reminder as a call to prayer. Every time I cross that place, I'm just going to take a moment and I'm going to pray for them. I'm, I'm going to take time to pray for the, the school. I'm going to take time to pray for the business. I'm going to take time to pray for the person in that house. So maybe it's, it's one of those. Uh, so maybe it's that. Maybe you set an alarm on your phone and it just goes off every, every so bit. It sends you a reminder. Hey, time to practice the presence of God. Do that. I had a, a, a watch once that I would buy only for camp was one of those cheap $10 Walmart watches, so that way I could just, it could get destroyed at camp and all the random water games and stuff like that. But one year, one of those watches actually survived and made it through to the end of the week. And uh, I was unpacking, I think I just threw it somewhere in my office, and for the next several years, it had a little setting on there that beeped every hour, right? Anybody have a watch like that? And I couldn't remember where I put it. And so I would hear that every hour, just that boop, just really soft, really subtle, but not long enough to figure out where it was. And so for two years, it just beep. What if, what if you had a reminder like that? Soft, subtle of just, oh yeah, that bell means I need to take time to pray. That bell means I need to remember that Jesus is with me. You know, maybe there's other triggers in your life. Maybe it's a mood that triggers you. Anytime your mood changes, right, you get angry, Maybe that's a call. I need to spend time with God. You feel sadness? Maybe this is a time to spend time with God. You get excited? Oh, God, help me to bring you into this moment. God, thank you for bringing me here. God, this victory is yours. As our mood changes, uh, maybe it's, this is one that we often have built into our schedule already, but meals, right? We sit down at a meal and we remember, hey, we got to pray. If you don't do that, I encourage you to do that. It's a a healthy reminder that God is always with us. Uh, Another one could be people. As you're standing in line, as you're you're waiting, as you see people, as you cross people, as you're waiting behind them at a red light, take a moment and pray for them. May God break your heart for the people around you. May it be a reminder, a call to prayer, a a call to, to practice the presence of God. You see, it's in the, the alone times when, when God gives us the battle plans. It's in the alone times, in the secret, when we see victory, when we see breakthrough. So let's practice the presence of God privately. 
All right, back to Joshua for a moment. Right? Joshua, he receives the plans. He, he receives the, the promises of the victory. And now all he has to do is carry it out. He's got to obey what God has told him. Now, I'm thinking this definitely couldn't have been an easy task. Right? If you're Joshua, how do you go back to the rest of the Israelites and you tell them this plan? I mean, if anybody read it, this is a goofy plan. Can I just be honest, right? Marching around Jericho a bunch of times, like that's how we're going to receive victory? I mean, again, this thing is, this is a fortress, a 50-foot high wall, six-foot wide. You know, Joshua probably standing there is, and the rest of the Israelites, they're, they're probably thinking, okay, this is why the previous generation said they felt like grasshoppers. You know, here, here were these little people. How are we possibly going to take the city? And so Joshua gets up. You know, we don't know exactly how he did it, but it's recorded. He goes back and he tells the Israelites, here's the plan, guys. All right, let's huddle up. Here's what we're going to do. First off, where's my trumpet players? All right, come on up. You're going to lead us in the battle. And they're probably sitting there like, okay, there's got to be better than this, you know. They're like, all right, next up, where's the priests at? All right, you're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. All right, let's, just, let's take a moment. Let's break down what the Ark of the Covenant here is. Because this one, it was probably a good play for them, right? This was literally the presence of God, what represented the presence of God to the people of Israel at this time. So they said, hey, we're going to bring the presence of God into this battle. So the Ark of the Covenant, if you don't know what that is, it was... Uh, Moses was given these plans, along with the Ten Commandments up on Mount Sinai. God gave him the plans. I want you to build this box called the Ark of the Covenant. Four foot long, about two and a half feet wide, and two and a half foot high. And covered in solid gold. And on top of it, we want you to, to make a couple of angels or cherubim. They've got their, their wings spread out. They're touching each other. And then put rings on the side of it so you can put these poles laid in gold that you, you carry the Ark of the Covenant by the poles. Don't touch the Ark, right? Otherwise, bad things. Don't open it up. Otherwise, your face is going to be melted. That's actually Indiana Jones. Um, You know, they they said, don't do it because this is is holy. This is reverent, right? We've got to treat this as holy ground. You don't touch it. In fact, one time they were carrying the Ark, but they weren't doing it the proper way, and it was about to fall off a cart. Somebody went out and just touched it to steady it, you know, to save the Ark. You think, oh, that's a good thing, and they died. Because they didn't have proper reverence for the presence of God. The, the ark was to be placed into, in Moses' time in the tabernacle, into the most holy of holies, the, the, the inner place. The place, there was no windows, there was a veil that covered it. You weren't supposed to go into it. Uh, in, the, in the temple, they would place it again in the most holy of holy rooms, the far inner, inner place that only one priest, one time per year, was allowed to go into this presence of God. And they had to go in there with fear and trembling because if they handled it wrong, uh, they would die in the presence of God. And so this was, this was very sacred. This is the, the box that held the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets that, that God gave to Moses. I mean, this was, uh, in that time, this representation of the presence of God. And so they said, all right, we're going to put the presence of God into this procession, into this army, and we're going to march with it. Then the next step, he probably told the Israelites, all right, now get your weapons. Okay, now we're talking. We're going to have weapons. But hold on to them. We're not going to use them for a while. Okay, really? You know, what's this guy talking about? And then what we're going to do is we're going to march. All right, let's do it. And then what? We're going to march again. Okay. And then what next? Then we're going to march again and again and again. We're going to march around it 13 times. 
Okay, this is weird. Okay, then what are we going to do? Then we're all going to yell really loud. And then what? And then the walls are just going to fall over. Sure they are, okay? So I don't know what kind of buy-in that that Joshua had, but this is what he did. He told the plans, and and they went out, and they marched around. For six days, they marched around one time. And again, we know the perimeter is about a mile and a half, so general walking pace, it probably took them about a half an hour to march around the city. Now, on the seventh day, they marched around uh, seven times. They took that half an hour journey around the city, and and at the end, uh, it, it says that these, you know, Probably half a million Israelites uh, sounded their trumpets. And in, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 20, we read what happens. It says, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. And the victory was won that day. See, I believe God taught them a valuable lesson. And it's a lesson that we still need to learn and, and take hold of today. You know, I'm thinking, why did God give them such goofy battle plans? You know, why did God have them win that way? You know, why, why didn't God tell them, well, hey, let's, let's cut off the water supply to the city. You know, let's, let's shoot some flaming arrows over those walls and, and uh, you know, let's get a battering ram. Let's do that. Those seem a lot more practical. But instead he told them, just march around. Why? Because I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. I, I, I want... I want to show you, I want to teach you that victory doesn't come from the size of your army. Victory doesn't come from the strength of your weapons. Victory doesn't come from the skill of your fighters. But victory comes from the presence of God. Victory comes from the presence of God. And that's a lesson that we need to learn today. In God's presence, there is victory. They defeated Jericho soundly because they carried the presence of God with them everywhere they went. And church, we carry the presence of God with us everywhere we go. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I think we need to remember that sometimes. The power that, that lies inside of us, not because we're anything special, but because we serve a God who's, who's really special. A God who's all-powerful. And when we walk into our city and when we walk into our community, we need to remember that we carry the power of God inside us. We carry the presence of God wherever we go. So if we want to make the presence of God paramount in this church and in this city, if we want to see walls torn down in our city, how many are believing for that? That God's going to tear down some walls in our city. If we want to see families restored, if we want to see lives changed, then we need to also practice the presence of God publicly. We need to practice the presence of God publicly. We need to be the ones who bring the presence of God into our city. Because if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Right, just as Joshua and the Israelites, they brought the present, literally the ark, the, the presence of God into, into the city and around the city. We need to be the ones who bring the presence of God into our city. And I believe that. I believe we need to do that. Uh, I know we live in America, and I know that even in our town, every few blocks you see another church building. Right? And, uh, but let me tell you what, church buildings don't tell people about Jesus. Christians do. We've got to be the ones. Most people aren't going to come into the church building. and They just stay away. And again, even though we live in this culture, we're becoming in a culture that's more and more unchurched, that's more and more biblically illiterate. And so we need to take the gospel to them. We need to bring the presence to them. 
So we do that in a couple ways. The first one is this. We need to be a church that is full of God's presence. So even before we get outside the walls, I believe that this place needs to be a place that is full of God's presence. Share a few Bible verses that that line up with this this concept. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has this vision. He has this vision and it says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And it said the train of his robe, right? The train of his robe, it filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, there were angels, each with six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sounds of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. This picture of the presence of God, the train of his robe, by all the victories he's won, he's added on uh, victory after victory. The train of his robe filled the temple, and, and the angels are there singing, and the place is shaking. God, do it here. God, fill this place. Because what happened next, what led, uh, what happens when the presence of God filled that place, it said that uh, Isaiah felt convicted. It led to conviction. He said, I'm guilty. I'm a man of unclean lips. And that was the place he was purified. And after that, God called, who, who will go? Who will go? Who shall I send? And he said, here I am, send me. See, I believe that as this place is a place of God's presence, that people are going to walk in here and they're going to feel the conviction of God. They're going to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And when they do that, God's going to purify them. He's going to cleanse them. So I believe this is going to be a place where where God delivers people. I I believe that just like Isaiah, this is going to be a place where God calls people because it's full of the presence of God. People are going to say, hey, who's going to go? Who's going to go to the ends of the world? And people are going to stand right here, maybe at this altar and say, here I am, send me. As this is a place of God's presence. You know, the prophet Isaiah, he also called God's house a place of prayer, a house of prayer. Jesus echoed that statement in the triumphal entry as he's going in and he he goes to the temple and he sees that the temple has turned into a place where people are setting up market and they're, they're in for-profit businesses there and all that. And, you know, we, we know the story. He turns the tables and, and, and does all of those things. And then he says in, in Matthew 21, he says, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. See, God's house should be a house of prayer, a house of his, his presence. I like the rest of the story. Verse 14, the very next verse is this, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. See, I believe as, as this is a house of prayer, as this is a, a house of his presence, that we're going to see people get healed here. We're, we're going to see power happen in this place. We're going to see the supernatural happen in this place because we've made the commitment, this house is going to be a house of prayer. Also in Isaiah, Isaiah 64, verse 1, I believe this is a prayer we need to pray over our church. This is a prayer we need to pray. Isaiah 64, 1 says this, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, that the mountains would quake at your presence. God, would this be a place where heavens would open? We would have an open heaven above this place. When people walk in, this would be the place where heaven touches earth. Right? God, tear open the heavens and come down. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. God, may there be an open heaven above that, uh, 
AFA, that, that people could sense his presence. You know, just like you hear stories of revival where, where people, they just pull into the parking lot. And they're, they're feeling conviction in the parking lot, right? God's moving in them in the parking lot because it, there's something different about this place. One more verse, Acts 4.31. It says, uh, this is the early church. It says, after they prayed, after they had a prayer meeting, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And I'm praying the same thing at this church. God, may, may this be a house of prayer. May this be a place of your presence that when people walk in these doors, they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. That this would be a place where people are filled with the Holy Spirit and, and a place uh, where people are sent out to speak the word of God boldly. Oh, Lord, do it here. Fill this place with your presence. You know, shake, shake the foundations of this place. So that's the first thing. We need to be a church that's full of his presence. The second one is this. We need to bring the presence of God to our community. Right? So we, we've got to have the nice fill-up station here, I guess. And then we need to go out. And we need to be the presence of God to people out there. We need to bring it to them. You know, the, the world doesn't know how to respond to the presence of God. They don't know how to label it. They don't know how to categorize it. Uh, and there's kind of two reactions, one or the other. Either they respond uh, in opposition or they respond in a hunger for Jesus. But not often do people respond in indifference. We're, we're going to go out there and we're going to, I believe God's going to use us to change this world. But not everybody will understand. Even people thought Jesus was demon-possessed. They called him that. Yeah, no, I don't think that lines up. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says that we are the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death and to another we're an aroma that brings life. So just like the Israelites carried the presence of God around the city of Jericho, they carried the presence of God in the battle. We need to carry the presence of God into our city. Not everybody's going to understand it. Not everybody's going to react to it. But there's going to be those that, that come and they're hungry. They, they've been searching for this their whole life. And I believe we're going to see, uh, we're going to experience growth. We're going to experience life change in our city. So again, let's make this practical. How can we do these two things? How can we make this church a place of prayer? How can we uh, make our city a place where we bring the presence of God to it? Uh, the first one is this. We have a, we've got a prayer room. See that door right over there? That's the prayer room. There's a door on the outside too. And uh, we're just going to try to make better use of that room. That room is always open to you to come on in and, and pray. And we're just going to, we're going to put some dreams up on the walls in there. We're going to put our vision statement uh, up in there. Uh, we're going to put some specific goals in there that we can be praying for. We're going to put some, some missionary focuses in there that we can be praying for. And we're actually going to create a few different uh, pieces in these next few weeks of maybe touch points that we can be praying for that we're going to hang in that room as well. So I encourage you, come on out, use it. Uh, anytime the doors are open, uh, feel free to come in there and, and just pray. Uh, see some of the things that we're going for. Pray over the vision. Pray over some of the goals that we're shooting for. Uh, second thing, prayer meetings. Prayer meetings, that's how we can make this place a, a place, of, a house of prayer. Uh, every Wednesday from 11 to 1, we, the sanctuary is open specifically for prayer. And from 12.30 to 1, we come together. There's usually about a dozen of us uh, who are coming and, and just praying and interceding. And so I encourage you, if you've got time, even if you've got 15 minutes to come out during that, be part of the prayer meeting. It's powerful. But if you can't make that, start a prayer meeting. 
Find a time. It doesn't have to be in this place necessarily, but find a time even in your own house to have a prayer meeting with other people, to, to learn and, and to grow and to, to call on God's name together. Third thing, we can add prayer uh, as we serve. As we serve, we need to make prayer paramount. We've got to make it essential uh, to our service. I, I love the different teams that we have. Our worship team this morning, they, they practiced, they did all that, but then they took time and, and they just prayed. Spent time praying. Praying over this service. Praying that God would do incredible things. And, and before they came out on this platform, they spent time in prayer. They, they added prayer to that. Uh, our welcome team got together. They prayed this morning that God would do incredible things. Right? Even as they greeted people walking in the door, they added prayer to it. Our youth leaders every Wednesday night come together and they have a time of prayer before they ever reach out to a single student. Our, our kids' ministries are full of prayer. How can you, in the areas that you serve, make prayer paramount? Make prayer important. Not, not just something you, you have to do. No, make it essential. Make it, guys, this is why we're gathering together. We may be doing this or serving this, but let's pray. We may just be cleaning the kitchen, but let's pray. Right? We may be vacuuming. Let's pray. Let's take time. Let's make prayer paramount. Uh, next one, as we go in the community, pray for people. Let's take time to pray for people. Uh, this one, I think, is, is powerful, and, and it can be really easy to do. It sounds daunting at first, but let me give you a couple examples. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was talking with a guy in our community I don't think he knows the Lord, but he was telling me how his, his dad was going through cancer and it was really difficult. He was having a tough time. And, and you know, I just really felt you know, the Holy Spirit guided me. And I just asked him a simple question. Hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray for your dad? I think he was a little bit taken back at it. Like, oh, sure, you know, what was he going to tell me? No, I guess he could have told me no and just said, hey, I'll be praying. But I, I got to take a moment and just pray for him right there. I, a seed was planted that day. We got to pray. So when you see somebody going through a struggle, ask them that question. Hey, could I pray for you? Hey, could I pray for you actually right now? Would that be all right? Can I, can I just lay my hand on your shoulder and, and pray for you? I believe that Jesus can do some miraculous things. Uh, another one that I've seen a lot of people do, and I, I think this is great, when you're out at a restaurant and you've got a waiter or a waitress, uh, what if, you know, while you're ordering at the end, you just say, hey, you know what? We, we just believe in the, the power of prayer. You just ask, if you could ask God, one thing, what would it be? What would you ask God for? And just let them talk to you. I don't know, whatever's on their heart. And you can take that moment. Would it be all right if we prayed for you? You know, they might say, no, I, I got to go. But you can just tell them, all right, we're going to pray for you as we, we pray for our meal today. Would that be all right? Just pray for people. What are other opportunities that you can have just to, to pray for people in our community? And the last one is kind of a, a new initiative that we've got here. And, and Pastor Sterling, if you could help me out with this one. Uh, we're going to call it prayer circles. Prayer circles. How can we, in the same way, in the same way that Joshua took the presence of God and they marched around Jericho, what if we did that in our communities and in our towns? So just a moment, we're going to, we're going to pull this out, but uh, we've done is, what we've done is we've printed a map. We've printed two maps. One's a map of Aberdeen, all the, all the streets, all, all those different things. We're going to bring that down here. And the second one, I know we've got people that come from pretty much an hour every direction. So we've printed out a, a map of northeast 
South Dakota into North Dakota there with, with all the different towns and everything like that. And so at the close of service, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to uh, come up. We'll have some markers up here for it. And I want you just to, to draw a circle. Maybe it's a square. You know, you can, you can determine the shape. Uh, but to draw a circle or a square around several blocks that you want to pray for or around the town or the region or the land that you want to pray for. And I believe that God is going to use this to do revolutionary things. So this is something that you can go out and what the challenge is. So don't just circle it, but I want you to walk around it or drive around it. It's slippery out there right now, right? But I want you to walk around. Maybe it's four or five blocks that you just, once a week, you go out and you walk around it. And as you go, you're praying for it. You're praying for the people in there. You're, you're praying for the businesses in that region. And you're just taking time. You're, you're going out just like they marched around Jericho. You're just walking around those regions. And you're saying, God, would you do the impossible? God, would you change the people's lives in this region? God, would you move in a way? So I, I'm going to challenge us. Can we once a week walk around that section of land that we pick? Today we also, uh, before you leave today, we want to get everybody one of these, but we've got a, just a prayer guide of what could I be praying? You know, maybe you're sitting there like, well, what would I say? You know, what would I, what would I do? How could I, how could I pray for him? So we've got a little prayer guide that we can pray for people's salvation, that we can ask for God's blessing on the neighborhood. We can pray for healthy families, for parents and children. We can, we can pray for businesses, we can pray for Christians to be bold and courageous. And actually, guys, if you want to just bring them right down here so that everybody can access those. Uh, we could ask God, what could revival look like in our city? What could revival look like? And also, one thing that's really cool is we can walk around and we can praise God for the victory he's going to give us. Just like he told uh, Joshua in private, right? He, he told them that uh, the victory, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. The battle was already won. We can walk around and we can praise God because we believe the victory is already won. And as you go on these walks or as you go on these drives, I want to challenge you to do this. Listen to God. Let him put dreams on your heart. Because maybe you walk by and you see, oh, that greenhouse. God, you're telling me something. He might say, one day I believe there's going to be a Bible study there. And so you just start praying, God, I believe. I don't know who these people are. I don't, know where, I don't know where they are. But God, I believe we're going to have a Bible study in the greenhouse. Right? And you're walking around there and you just start praying. You start praying. You're praying that God would do some amazing things. Maybe he puts on your heart that there's going to be an outreach in that neighborhood. Uh, maybe he puts on your heart that generations are going to be changed because of what's happening. And I believe God's going to do some incredible things. And as we circle, as we continue to circle, I, I don't know. I, I think that God's just going to bring some victory, some unexpected victory. You know, maybe 30 weeks later, somebody comes to church and, and you come up and you're praying with them at the altar and, and you get to know them and, and they gave their life to Jesus and they're all excited. And, and so you start talking, you take them out to lunch and you ask them, hey, where do you live? And they tell you, oh, I, I live in this place. And all of a sudden, you know, you start to cry because that's the block that you've been circling for the last 30 weeks. I believe we're going to hear stories like that that God's going to use us to do incredible things as, as we go and we bring the presence of God into our city. So uh, today, I want to challenge you to do this. And worship team, if you'd come, uh, we're going to close our service just by inviting everybody to come on up. 
And I'll step down here for a minute. But we've got, we've got a map of Aberdeen here. And do we have our markers? Yeah, we've got all of our markers here. Pick your favorite color, whatever one you want to, just so you can remember. And I want you just to pick a couple blocks or uh, pick a city, uh, pick, a, pick a territory that you just say, God, this is what you want me to circle. This is the place that you want me to be in. And we've got prayer guides we'll hand you as you come up, and we'll have to take some turns. That's, that's okay. But I want you to take a physical step to say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be praying for this region. I'm going to be praying for this area. I'm going to be praying for these blocks. And we believe that God is going to do the impossible as we bring the presence of God into our city. So church, we have an incredible opportunity. We have an incredible opportunity to share the presence of God with our community to share the gospel with our community, to share the good news that we remembered today during communion that Jesus died and he rose again. See, I believe that as a church, if we want to keep growing, if we want to continue to fill heaven, right, then we've got to stretch ourselves. We've got to do something new. We've got to go after dreams that are bigger than us. Man, that 4% is a dream that's bigger than us. So let's keep pressing in. Let's keep circling our city. Let's keep circling our communities and saying, God, I'm believing for more. I'm believing for more. God, I'm believing for a move of the Holy Spirit unlike ever before. Let's not stop. Imagine if the Israelites gave up on lap 12. Would they have ever seen the victory? Let's keep pressing in. Let's keep pressing in. So would you stand with me? I want to pray with you, and the worship team's going to lead us, and as they lead us, would you just come? Find, find a spot on the map to circle, a spot that maybe it's around your house, maybe it's around a, a business in town, maybe it's just a place you already like to walk. And let's believe God for something great. So Lord, we trust in you, we put this in your hands, we give you this city, we give you our communities. God, they're yours. They're yours. The victory is yours, God. And we pray the presence of God would invade our city, would invade every home, would invade every business, would invade every school. Use us, God. We are your church. You called us to love you, to love people and share Christ. So teach us. Teach us to go. In Jesus' name, amen. So would you come, find a place, circle it on this map, and uh, worship team's going to lead us. when you speak cause when you speak and when you move when you do what only you can do it changes us changes what we see and what we seek and when you come in the room when you do what only you can do it changes us it changes what we see. Well, let's sing that again. Cause when you speak and when you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us. It changes what we see and what we
your presence is in this place. God, your presence is in your people. Lord, fill us. Use us. God, may we not hold it in, but God, may we share with our community. God, may this be a place that's full of your presence. God, that when people walk in, they realize there's something different. God, may may we be a people full of your presence. Oh, God, help us to take the light into this city that it would forever be changed. Help us as we try to reach the 4%, as we try to reach our world. God, you change everything. So be with us, God, as we take this time to focus on prayer and areas we can pray for. God, we pray for miracles. God, we pray for lives to be changed inside of these circles. Lord, we pray for dreams to be hatched. God, we pray for outreaches to start. God, we we pray for Bible studies to break out in our community. Oh, Lord, draw people to you. Thank you that you use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I encourage you, uh, come on up. These maps will be up here. Take your time. Find your spot. Uh, We'll leave them up for the next few weeks as well. Just as you think about it, as you pray about it, we'll probably have them in the the back in the next couple weeks. Pray that you have an incredible week. Uh, God bless you as you bring the light of Jesus, as you bring the presence of God into this community.